Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Thank you, Ellie. Are you taller than me? I think so. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we submit ourselves to your word this morning. May it shine a light on us, God, and may we truly enter the light of your word this morning, and may it bring life and hope and great freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I read this week about a humanist who said, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me, such is the plight of the atheist. I have nobody to forgive me. And forgiveness really is the trump card of the Christian faith. Forgiveness and relationship with the living God. And so today we're going to look at Psalm 32, which largely, the, the base of it is forgiveness. And from forgiveness, we see the covering of God. And, and from the covering of God, we see the guidance of God, all gifts. And then at the end, we'll share together in the communion table. So let's look again now at, at the first five verses. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was zapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord 
and you forgave the guilt of my sin. There is such a blessing announced in this psalm, and that is the blessing of forgiveness. David contemplates the intense suffering of being apart from God's forgiveness, the pain of being caught in sin and trying to cover our own sin. This doesn't sound to me like a very good place to be. The torment of Lady Macbeth comes to mind, washing and washing and washing her hands, and the, and the stain will not leave her the stain of her sin and that place of constant torment that unconfessed sin can bring upon us. This is the kind of pain that David is talking about, about bones wasted away and groaning. The pain of sin that has not been forgiven. This is not the place that God has for us. This is not the place that God wants us to be. He invites us to a place of forgiveness and a place of freedom. Do you know that it actually delights God to forgive you? He offers this gift to his children and he wants us to receive it. It seems scandalous, but it's true. It seems scandalous. I was thinking earlier as we were singing about our holy God, the one who has the right to judge, the one who has the right to condemn, but instead of condemning that he would send his son to die for us and that he would reach out to us and invite us to himself to receive forgiveness. It does seem scandalous, and yet it's true. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, God has the legal right to legitimately declare us forgiven. God says to us, don't try to hide your sin. Don't try to cover up your sin. Instead, come to me. Come to me. And it's counterintuitive because we do tend to want to hide when, when, when we have sin. We do want to tend from the ancient of days to run and hide. But God says, no, don't hide. Come to me. Hide in me instead. I've got you covered, says the Lord. And so he invites us into that place of blessing. Let's look again at the first couple of verses. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and who, in whose sin is no, in, and whose spirit is no deceit. He invites us to forgiveness. He invites us into covering. He invites us into clearing the slate for us where there once was sin. He invites us into a place of truth about who we are and what we've done so that we can walk in integrity and authenticity. I think sometimes we're okay to receive God's grace at the beginning of our walk with him. And, and, and to receive his forgiveness. And then we sometimes want to kind of say, okay, I'll take it from here. I know I, I used to kind of have that attitude. I'll take it from here, Lord. Thanks for forgiving everything, you know, in the past. But from this point on, I'll, I'll, I, I think I can handle it. No. God continually refreshes and cleanses us from our sin. At this time, I believe God's calling us into a place of forgiveness and of reconciliation. At the concert, 
we had those pastors, as I just showed you, come forward and ask our First Nations people to forgive them. Wow. We were audacious enough to do that. When you consider how grave the offenses were, what a huge ask this was. And so I'm sensing this morning, at this present time, even this day, that God would also ask us to lay down our offenses. Where there's unforgiveness, where there's judgment, where there's offenses that we're holding on to. I think as we enter into God's forgiveness, it behooves us to also forgive others. And so we'll have the opportunity to do that as we move towards communion. But we really do experience both when we enter into God's forgiveness. Suddenly, we find that we have the freedom to also not only receive forgiveness, but to offer forgiveness to others. Peterson writes in the message, if we claim to be without sin, we contradict God. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's that ancient Christian practice of confession that sometimes I think we forget about, but that is so good for our soul. From that place of confession, we find that instead of hiding from God, we hide in God. Instead of denial, we acknowledge. And instead of silence, we confess. And instead of having this great weight, this great debt of sin on our record, our account becomes clear once again. Our family loves to go to Green Bay Bible Camp. It's up in West Kelowna. My son's there. This is his third summer working up there. It's kind of our happy place. We, we just love to go there. They have everything you could possibly want. There's, there's water skiing. There's skiing lessons if you want. There's tubing. There's the blob, which kind of has to be uh, seen to believed. Um, but there's, there, there's pottery. There's, there's beading. Uh, they'll even bring you, like it's full service this place. They'll even bring you an iced coffee on the beach if you just kind of wave your hand. So this is like a really full service camp. It amazed us and impressed us from the first time that we went there and we've, we've gone there for many, many years. And the best part is that it's all without charge. Well, that is until the end. What happens is it goes on your tab, of course. And so you can order you whatever you want. And, and it used to be that we just let our kids, you know, go for the tubing. Now it's like, hey, two tubes a day, that's it. Because you do get that big surprise at the end. That's when you find out that your children have been buying all their friends' chocolate bars. <laughs> but this one particular year, due to an unfortunate boat incident, which I would love to tell you about, but I don't, I, I, I won't, I'll tell you about it sometime. But we had an unfortunate boat incident. And as a result of that incident, the camp director came to us uh, the evening before camp was to close and told us that he was gonna clear our tab for that whole week. And we were like, yes, awesome. We were expecting to pay all this money and instead we found out that we had a clear tab. That was an incredible gift. That's what God wants to do for us. He wants to clear our tab. He wants our tab to be completely clear. He cancels the debt, and he doesn't count our sin against us. He wants to release us from that torment and that burden of trying to hide our sin or carry our sin. 
or do penance for a sin. I think sometimes we tend to want to suffer a little bit before we actually confess and receive God's forgiveness. We want to kind of work it out. But no, God says, your sin has been paid for. Come to me for your free forgiveness. He wants to remove that heavy burden that we cannot remove ourselves. To illustrate this point, I want to watch a clip. I suspect that many of you have seen it, um, but I couldn't resist showing it because it it just gives us a picture that I think will will help us all uh, experience a greater freedom in our forgiveness. It's from the movie The Mission. And in this movie, one of the characters, Rodrigo Mendoza, he is a man who has been a slave trader. He has actually stolen people from this very village that he's about to enter. And he has also killed his brother. And because of his great sins, he is doing an act of penance. He is actually dragging uh, this great burden, this net that is full of his, um, his armor and, and his weaponry. And he, he's dragging this. We'll, we'll take it from here.
We're not meant to carry a burden of sin. Our sins are meant to be forgiven by God. Dragging our sins behind us is not the way of God. The Bible says that even if our heart condemns us, which I know sometimes it does, God is greater than our hearts. And he sets our heart at rest if we will allow him to do so. He'll cut that burden away. And what follows the forgiveness is so incredible. Even Mendoza, he becomes a helper of this tribe afterwards, of this village. And for us, our forgiveness can release us into seizing our destiny and coming into the covering and the guidance of God, into a wide open place of God's covering and guidance. And so let's move on to verses 6 and 7, covering. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I think many of us know what it's like to be in the midst of rising waters. But we remain standing when our, when our feet are on Christ because he's our hiding place. He's our place of safety. And though we stumble, and we do, we will not fall because the Lord upholds us with his hand. Picture yourself in a place of rest, whatever that looks like for you. Picture yourself in a place of peace and a place of tranquility. It's that place that God is inviting you to this morning. But it's also from that place that we can take a great step and that we can take great risks for God. He leads us from a place of rest. He directs us from a place of rest to reach out and do great things for him. And we are strong in the power of his might. I don't know if you've seen that little clip of this little bear cub 
who is running away from this cougar, right? Noreen's seen it. And, and all of a sudden, the bear cub decides to turn around and, and, and growl at this cougar, and the cougar flees. The reason the cougar flees is because the mama bear is behind the little cub who's, who's offering his little growl, and, and the mama bear is offering her big growl. And this is, this is what we're, we're all just little bear cubs, you know? But we're taking our stands for God, and we're strong in the power of his might because he is standing behind us. That's the covering of God. And from that covering, he says, let's go. Let's take some ground for the kingdom. Let's step forward. Let's establish freedom. And so we move from the covering to the guidance of God in verses 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. We see here what to do and what not to do. First of all, what not to do. Don't be like the horse or the stubborn mule. One time when I was at camp, Wascana camp, I was interning there for the summer and uh, had the great opportunity to ride through the fields of the Saskatchewan prairies on, on horseback with, with my friend and the person who was in charge, with my friend who was in charge of the horses, Danny. And there was, he was, you know, into training the horses and, and there was this one somewhat unruly horse that he was on and he was riding bareback because the horse wouldn't take a saddle. And so we were riding through this, the edge of this field and um, this horse decided to put on the brakes and put his head down. So my friend Danny went like shooting off that horse. I didn't know whether to scream or laugh, but he was okay, and so I was able to laugh. It really was a funny scene. But this is not the kind of attitude God is looking for. A stubborn mule or a horse who, you know, wants to, to, to buck off his rider and uh, send his, his rider flying. This is the example of what we're not to do. God doesn't want us wasting our time with unrepentant sin. Neither does he want us wasting our time with stubbornness and with not listening to him. He wants us freed up and able to say yes to his even most subtle cues. Just like a, a baseball catcher, if you picture the Lord like a baseball catcher, um, giving signs, I have no idea what they look like, but giving signs, uh, my husband was helping me, okay, how exactly should I say this? Giving signs to the pitcher saying, here's the kind of pitch I want you to throw. Because he knows what kind of pitches should be thrown. These are the kinds of signals that God has for us and that if we're watching, we can just follow. The Bible says, as the maiden looks to her mistress, as that servant looks to his master, so we look to the Lord our God. We look and we watch for those cues. At the concert, um, I was on the big drum, which was such a delight. And at that time, our, our main musician, Art, uh, suddenly told me that he needed a piece of gum, that his mouth was dry and he's trying to sing. And so I looked to my friend Karen and I somehow purse gum, like, you know, I mean, she is such a servant-hearted person. Within seconds, she was beside me. We're unwrapping the gum. Art's got the gum. He's back up to the, to the front singing. And it was just like that because my friend Karen was so attentive to this, to this cue, you know, and 
This is, this is what God's asking us to be, attentive to the cues. I don't know how many gum deliveries we've got available to us every day on behalf of God, meeting a need, meeting a sudden need that God knows about that we might not even know about, but he'll give us that cue. There's a book that I, that I would recommend to you. It's called The 10-Second Rule. Has anyone read this book? Okay, so it's new to all of us. Um, the 10-Second Rule is, is this. The principle is this. Just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do. Just do the next thing you're reasonably certain that Jesus wants you to do. We're never totally sure. But we just listen. Watch for the cue and, and, and kind of take a big gulp and then just do it. The book actually says, and commit to it immediately in the first 10 seconds before you change your mind. So when you hear or you sense the cue, make that commitment right away. It's a battle, right? So we need to decide ahead of time. When I hear, I'm going to act. Um, I was on Friday, I had a little follow-up interview in Ioko on the, on the, at a beach house um, about the concert. And at the end of the interview, I felt like, oh, I should give my host um, a copy of, of Art's CD. He had given us a number of CDs to give away, and so I thought, okay, here's my last CD to give away. I'm going to give it to the, the host who had hosted and arranged this interview for us. Um, as I ran up to my car, I sensed that I should also grab my own CD of art and give that to the cameraman who had filmed the interview and who also had filmed the entire concert. I was like, you know, it's funny how you can do things for God, but then there's this one thing that seems, should be easy, but it's like, but that's my CD. I love that CD. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get another one. And, you know, it's just the wrestling. And, uh, you know, of course I did give it. I, 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 I really, like, I, I'll bring it downstairs. I'll put it in my purse and I'll think about it. I mean, this guy... Hussein, we had such a great talk, you know, on our breaks from the interview, and here he had seen the whole concert, so of course he's supposed to have this CD. So it was a signal. I mean, I wasn't sure. I think it probably was God, because I don't think it was me. Um, but we get these signals. And then if we've made that commitment ahead of time to respond to God's guidance right away, ah, who knows where we're going to establish the kingdom of God in our midst when we respond like that? We are tempted to negotiate. There's a verse that comes to me so often when I'm hesitating uh, with something I sense God might be leading me, and it's the verse out of James 4.17, and it says, To him who knows the good that he should do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And so, so often I'm like, oh yeah, should I do that? I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. And I'm like, well, it's good. And I feel God's leading me. So, of course, yeah, I should say yes, and I should do it. And we're never sure, but isn't that where faith comes in? Where we, where we step out in faith? And I think even if we don't hear right, or even if we don't respond right, our faith pleases God. It does. It pleases God. Again, from the message, Eugene Peterson says, Listen to God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. Listen to God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. 
what I always say is one act of obedience leads to another. So fair warning here, you know, you take one step and another, and next thing you know, you're spending a year of your life organizing a concert or something like that. So you never know where it's going to lead, but we just keep saying yes to God's guidance. So circling back now as we come to the communion table, I'm going to read those first couple of verses again because I want to circle back now to forgiveness because that's really how it goes. We receive our forgiveness and the covering and the guidance and then we mess up and so we circle on back and say, Lord, I don't think I got that right. And we circle on back to the forgiveness again and then we just keep going. And so we're going to circle back now as we approach the communion table. I'm going to read those first couple of verses again. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Lincoln, I'd like you to come forward now.